I'm here today with Andy Wells. Andy is the author of a new book titled Tried to be Straight, Options for Gay Christians. Andy holds a Master of Arts in Christian Apologetics from Biola University. His education, coupled with his life experience struggling to reconcile his faith and sexuality, lend credibility to his writing. Andy's passion for the topics of sexuality and faith come from his struggle with self-acceptance. He knows the frustration of living as a secretly gay man and a publicly born-again Christian. Finding a solution that works without having to abandon one's faith is Andy's desire in helping others facing the same dilemma. So Andy, congratulations on this new book, and uh, thanks very much for joining us. I'm anxious to learn more about your experience with it. Thank you, Brian. It's good to be here. So before we get into the book, so maybe you could share with folks a little bit more about your background than what I briefly touched on. Sure. Uh, the the fastest I go through it is uh, why I grew up in a church that was extremely uh, liberal and extremely accepting of gays. In fact, they were performing uh, gay wedding ceremonies in the mid-70s. Mm. Their, uh, their wow. liberal positions and their left positions uh, led to them being firebombed during that, all, during that decade as well. Uh, and then in my mid-20s, I became a born-again Christian. And in my uh, and and it was it was interesting because I was I hadn't really figured out what to do with the sexuality part. I just as a born again Christian and and going across the freeway to a a, a much more conservative church, uh, I I knew that that we believed that that was wrong, and um, so I went through some reparative therapy, conversion therapy type uh, treatment. And that didn't work. And then I, I started drinking. So in my 20s, I became a born-again Christian. In my 30s, I became sober. In my uh, 40s, I came out. And, uh, and in my 50s, I wrote a book about it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what a saga. Yep. It's unfortunate that those are long time periods. Yes. Between each step. Well, I think the nice thing about writing it down and writing the lessons that I learned over those decades is that you can, you can skip the 10 years in between each step. Uh, if you'd like, <laughs> you can learn from me and, and, you know, and, and you can take what, what helps you and leave the rest behind. And yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, what I'm thinking. I mean, it was extremely painful. Every step was painful and I, I don't wish the pain on people. Um, I, I, I wish that they can learn and, and benefit without having to uh, experience quite as much pain. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, between your book and, you know, other things that are going on in the world at large, hopefully that's the case. So in any event, um, let's get to the book. What, I mean, other than what you just said, I mean, is that the main motivation for writing it? <laughs> you know, I was, I, I had arrived at a place in my life where I was okay with my, uh, with myself I was okay with my faith. I, w I had found a church that that fully affirmed uh, me and fully affirmed uh, uh, all the parts of me it, without without compromising uh, their focus on on the Bible or Jesus. And I was quite happy with that. And one night, it was a Christmas party. I went out to catch a catch some fresh air on the balcony, and there was a woman you know, who we started talking together, and and I. I'd never met her before, but she shared with me when things got to talking about church, she shared with me about her son who, when he was 12 came out mm. and he, he told her 
but they didn't know what to do because they were a member of a church that was not affirming, not accepting of gay people. It was a sin. And so they weren't sure what to do. So at that point in time, he, the, the, her son was then 20 at the time I talked with her and she, she was working with a book about celibacy. So she said, a guy wrote a book, some guy wrote a book about celibacy. And so that's what we're, we're, that's the approach we're trying right now. And I said, look, celibacy might work for that guy. And that's probably why that guy wrote a book, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, it doesn't work for a lot of people. And I've tried it. (laughs) I tried celibacy. And so we got to talking and I realized during the conversation that I had a lot to bring to the table with respect to what the Bible teaches and what, you know, and what the Christian faith really believes with respect to the gospel and being gay and all these other things on my way home, I thought about what it must've been like for that 12 year old, because I came out in my forties, you know, I had tools that a 12 year old doesn't have. And I started crying. It's and so for the people who are facing this struggle and haven't gotten as far down the path as I have, um, maybe I could write something that would help them. And that's when I decided to write the book. Wow. Well, good for you. Good for you. How would you say it differs from other books that are, you know, similar in nature in terms of topic? Yeah. I, I, uh, um, I would say, and other authors that would be in the, in the category of what do you do as a Christian and, and, you know, people like Amber Cantorna come to mind, um, Mel White, of course, uh, um, Colby Martin, uh, Matthew Vines, Justin Lee. And I, um, I don't have quite the sophistication and the education to talk about the original Greek and Hebrew uh, that those folks do. Um, but what I do is I complement it. So I have a chapter, instead of saying, this is what the Bible teaches, I have a chapter on hermeneutics, which is the art and science of biblical interpretation. And so w- my goal is to in- equip people who are facing this challenge with a means to evaluate uh, the arguments that are made by others, mm-hmm. rather than just telling them what they need to believe And then at the end of the chapter, I say, look, you might still believe that being gay is a sin, even after all of this. And that's fine. You need an answer. So I leave it open for each, for each, uh, you know, on the chapter on celibacy, I leave it open. I say, okay, I'm not a big fan of celibacy myself and I don't practice it, but you might be. And here's some tips and here's some authors and here's what people have said. Um, And uh, uh, I'm a little bit less enthusiastic about conversion therapy as a solution, uh, but uh, because it has a bit more of a sordid past. Um, the, I think really this book is written not to change the view of a church, not to change the view of a person, not to change, uh, not to be a political argument or a theological argument. It's to give the individual who is making a decision about what to do with their faith and their sexuality, some tools to use so that they can make it, it, it as informed as possible. And I think that's where this book complements the other books hmm. with, and it doesn't compete. It doesn't compete. It doesn't replace. It really complements. Um, I think the other thing that makes the book unique is I, I speak in a conservative voice. So rather than quoting 
you know, a theologian that would be very affirming like Shelby Spong. Uh, I, I quote Billy Graham. I quote Jerry Falwell. I quote John MacArthur. Uh, you know, and so it, it's, it's, um, uh, it, because of, of my background, when I was a conservative trying to figure out what to do be, with all the guys I was dating, I wouldn't listen to a Shelby Spong. Hmm. I'd listen to Billy Graham. I'd listen to a Jerry Falwell, <laughs> but I wouldn't listen to a, Jer- a Shelby Spong. So using the, using that, and I've, I've gotten some criticism on both sides of the road for that, but I, I really think it's a, the people that I'm trying to reach, I think will, it'll resonate with. Very interesting. Very interesting. So there's a chapter in the book on conversion therapy and you talk about the different forms of treatment. Um, what's the difference between those different forms? I think there's very little that has changed from when the Christian conversion therapy movement began in the mid 1970s. And it began shortly after the um, American Psychological Association removed homosexuality as a diagnosis from their DSM-4 manual of of diagnoses. So uh, shortly after that, you started seeing um, ex-gay ministries starting up. And that's when uh, Exodus International was born um, and and others. So uh, over time, what happens is some wackiness gets exposed. So they repackage, change the name and put the same strategies forward under a different name. So you you had conversion therapy, but then no one wanted to be a conversion therapist because it got a bad name. Um, And then it was reparative therapy. And then that ended up getting a bad name because somebody exposed what they actually do, which is ridiculous stuff. I mean, it's, if you look at uh, the Truth Wins Out website, they they really do a good job of of showing what goes on in these in these types of they call it sexual orientation change efforts, um, anything to try to not be gay. So it's, it's so they've abandoned all hope of be, ever being straight. I don't know of one ministry or or organization that says you can be straight, but they say it's possible to not be gay anymore. And and they but. It's crazy. Some of the some of the organizations still do like male cuddle cuddle sessions. Like you're going to make me straight by having me cuddle with another guy. Wow. You know, and that still goes on. That's wow. that lunacy still goes on. So mm-hmm. that's where I, I think there hasn't been a change. Don't be fooled by the fact that people say that they don't do conversion therapy. They say they don't do reparative. Now the, the organization that used to call themselves the National Alliance on the Research and Treatment for Homosexuality, NARTH, they now call themselves the uh, Alliance for, uh, for Choice. Um, <laughs> and and they've, they've changed their, their, it to reintegrative therapy. And it just, it really is, it's just a repackaging. Um, and you know, I, there's a, there's a saying in the South talking about putting lipstick on a pig and that's really what they're doing. They're just putting a, a putting, you know, a, a new, new set of clothes on an old, on an old, uh, old set of treatments. One of my former bosses used to use that uh, term. <laughs> Didn't endear him everywhere, but, uh, you know, surprisingly, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so you've studied this area, obviously a lot. What would you say to people that's the most compelling argument that you found, you know, that should convince people that it's okay to be gay and Christian? Yeah. And, you know, I, first, before I go into the answer there, and it's a really good question, 
um, because a lot of people ask me, you know, I'm doing a lot of advertising on Facebook and, the, and, and a lot of the questions. So what's the bottom line? And I want to tell them I wrote a 160 page book. That's the bottom line. You want me to put it in a paragraph? Uh, but I, I, you know, I just use the term gay because LGBTQQIAA plus and, and the list keeps getting longer. And it's important that I be able to relate to people on their level with their terms, but it's also impossible. Uh, so I use the term gay. So if you're same sex attracted, please, you just have to do a little, you know, if you consider yourself same sex attracted, you just have to do a little tra uh, uh, translation in your head when I use the term gay. But I just use the term gay for this all encompassing uh, a term. And uh, what's the most compelling argument that it's okay? Um, the most compelling argument to me is that every single alternative option and approach that the Christian community has offered Christians who love Jesus uh, and experience these desires has a horrifically terrible track record. I won't even call it a record of success because even in the area of, of conversion therapy, it's been almost 50 years and we have no reliable study that shows any track record at all. Wow. It's unmeasurable. You know, in, in, um, in 12 step programs, there have been studies that have come out that say that 5% of the people that walk into an, an AA meeting, Alcoholics Anonymous, make it to five years sober. Okay. That's a measurable result. It's abysmal, <laughs> but even with a 5% measurable result, it's still people, a lot of people get sent there by their doctors and by the court system and all that. But think about it. That's okay. But we haven't been even been able to measure the success in conversion mm -hmm. therapy. Mm -hmm. Celibacy has, you know, people have talked about it as we'll just be celibate. That's simple. Hey, I, I, uh, I'm a guy and I want to uh, date multiple women, but I don't, I control my, you know, my, uh, myself there. Well, the apostle Paul said in, in first Corinthians, if you burn with passion, then go get married. Well, that's an option for everybody except for an LGBTQ person, according to the people that believe it's wrong. Well, those people unsurprisingly fail miserably at celibacy. Some people do great at it, but it's a very small number. So, so is this faith, I mean, I, I worship the creator of the universe. Is the creator of the universe um, only capable of what Alan Chambers, the, the former president of Exodus International, the largest, longest running ex-gay organization and ministry in the world, Alan Chambers said they had a 99.9% .9 failure rate. 99.9% .9 failure rate. So does my God have a 0.1% success rate when earnest people seek him? No, <laughs> no. So if it does, so I don't look to what works as being true, but if it doesn't work, then your position isn't true and you ought to go back and rethink it. Very good. I never heard that line, you know, thinking of that well said before. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so um, there's lots of interesting things in the book. One of them is that you mentioned Heidi Fleiss. Mm -hmm. Can you tell that story? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was I was a new believer, and um, uh, and a friend of mine and I were walking through Old Pasadena, 
and and it was uh, th- that area had been revitalized. You can see the Rose Parade every every year. Uh, this section of Colorado Boulevard is on the Rose Parade on television every year. And Heidi Fleiss was Hollywood's madam, and she uh, uh, she was on trial in the mid '90s for pandering and pimping and prostitution. And so she had set up underwear stores uh, to sell her under, uh, underwear to make money so that she could pay her legal fees because they wouldn't let her use all the money that she made for, um, for collecting from prost- you know, pro- the prostitution that she ran. And she would, I mean, she had this little black book that this is why she was on the news. The little black book that had all the big time Hollywood names in it, you know, her clients. And so what would those names get released or would they not? And it was this big suspense. Um, and so here she was one night we go walking past and we realize that Heidi is in there behind the counter signing boxers. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so we sat in line and instead of buying a pair of boxers and you know, th- this is not to my credit because I mean, you know, she was there to sell things and we were there to tell her about Jesus, but we handed, we, we handed her a Bible tract and said, you know, we, you know, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And, um, and all the excitement that was racing through my mind as a person who hadn't dealt with his sexuality came into play, uh, while we were waiting for, uh, for that opportunity. And Heidi Fleiss, I have to say was a very gracious person and, um, and responded really gently to us. Hmm. Um, you know, she, she could have said something very sharp, but she didn't. So that was to her credit. Uh, yeah. But I opened up the book with that story. Goodness, it's, I, I think it's a wild. fun one. Yeah. 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 So um, <clears throat> Dr. Mike Rosebush wrote the forward to the book and he was formerly vice president of focus on the family. So can you tell us a little bit about him and, and his story? Yeah. You know, I have come to be great friends with Mike and I've, and here's how it happened. I've in the process of getting ready to release the book, I wanted to develop a a following as much as I could. And so I was writing articles on medium.com, which is a, a story website. You can put stories up and then people can follow you and you can follow other people. And it's been, it's, it's been a a good, uh, a, a good Avenue for me. So I got a message one day from Mike Rosebush and he, he wanted to ask me some questions about, you know, and I didn't know him from anybody. So I, I thought, well, geez, I, um, do I, do I have time to do a zoom conversation with everybody that likes my writing? <laughs> and I, and I, then, then the next thought into my mind was, dude, you have one person asking to, for a conversation about your writing. Let's do it. <laughs> So I, 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 you know, I, so I, I, we set up a zoom for later that afternoon and I learned, I, he started talking about himself and he's a, a former, uh, you know, high school and college football player, air force Academy graduate, uh, graduated very highly in the, in the, in the air force Academy, uh, f- former fighter pilot, F four phantom fighter pilot. And I've, I've been a pilot for a long time. So I love aviation. And so the minute he said that I was, I was, you know, I, all of a sudden I was his fanboy instead of him being mine. And, um, and then, uh, uh, when he, while he was flying in the air force, he got his, uh, uh, PhD in counseling and he went to work, um, as a doing not, he's never done conversion therapy, but he has done, he has done therapy for Christians, Christian men who struggled with homosexuality. His, what got him in trouble was the fact that he spoke at a North conference 
And he made two statements at the beginning of his, of his talk. He had just published a book on his techniques with, you know, dealing with gay men. And this is what they do. He says, let's, let's, let's just get two assumptions. Uh, let's just get two assumptions straight. First is we don't know why people are gay. And that went over like a lead balloon in this room. <laughs> and then this, he said, the second thing is that conversion therapy doesn't turn anybody straight. <laughs> well, that was not well received either. So the next day he lost his uh, connections. He was a director on Exodus International uh, for professional counselors. He was the director of that program to, to connect. And he was also on, he was also a connection at North. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, because they believe that, you know, you have a bad relationship with your parents. And so that's, that's what makes you gay. Uh, or at least at the time they believed that. And they've backpedaled on all these things because they've turned out to be nonsense. But um, but they were the theories, the operating theories of the day. So, so he told me that story. He told me the story about being married, uh, to, to his wife before he figured out that he was gay. He, he figured out he was gay in his mid thirties. Mm -hmm. So he stayed married to her. What impressed me about Mike was that he was given the opportunity to leave his wife on multiple occasions and he stayed with her. And, and became, he became a widower in 2017. Hmm. Um, he's now openly gay. He's out, he's dating, he's, you know, and, and all the things I'm saying he's posted online. So I'm not, I'm not like outing him or, you know, anything like that. He's writing on medium now. Um, and so I appreciate his integrity. I appreciate, he is the kindest man I've met is hmm. his, uh, he is so soft when it comes to just love and kindness. Um, hmm. That when I need to, and kindness is not my biggest strength. I, I, I value it. I value it, but I, but it's not my biggest strength. Compassion is my biggest strength. Uh, so when I need some kindness in my life, I just call him. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, yeah. good for you. Good for him. Yeah. So um, you and I separately have talked about the challenges associated with Facebook marketing. And in particular, when it comes to, you know, gay LGBT related issues. So, um, what's your experience look like? So a little background that goes into my Facebook marketing. Uh, so we released the book in, in the beginning of September, I started the Facebook marketing about, well, about two weeks into September, maybe three. Uh, I have a Facebook ads manager who put together 16 different ads in this thing called a funnel. And so you, you start developing relationships with people. And then you're driving them to, you know, finally say, Hey, buy my book. You know, it's, so it's, Hey, here's a good thought. And here's another good thought. And here's another good thought. And then finally it's buy my book. So, uh, so with this, my target is conservative Christians and it's hard to get conservative Christians who are secretly gay. It's hard to dial in Facebook to get those. Sure. Um, and so I'm getting lots of conservative Christians. And so day one, my, my ad went out and, you know, now you, you and I both know Stan Mitchell, mm -hmm. um, Stan Mitchell is a pastor in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, who, who led his church to become accepting of LGBTQ people, um, several years ago. And 
Stan talks about a spectrum of one to 10, one being completely in the closet, unaccepting, unaffirming, even of yourself or any, or anyone like you and 10 being completely out of the closet and completely fine with all of your sexuality and everything. And so on that spectrum, I'm re I'm really targeting the one to a three. Mm, wow. I'm really targeting <laughs> close to that one to three. Uh, so, uh, so I'm getting a lot of flack. I'm, I am getting called names all day, every day. Um, the, the, you know, things like false prophet, heretic. Um, I'm, I'm, ex it, people are, are very nice to explain to me that I'm going to be going to hell if I don't repent and stop sinning. Um, you know, people suggest that I read the Bible. You know, I, I have a master's degree from a Bible college, but you know, people are, have you read this verse? It's like, yeah, I wrote a book about gays and Christians and there's only six verses that are even thought to talk about, about it. Right. So yeah, I've read that verse. So three, a couple strategies came to mind. Um, the first one was ignore them all. And so I had a long drive to think about this and I thought I'm number one, I'm, I'm missing an opportunity. And number two, I'm not being respectful of the people who are taking the time to read and comment on the, the posts that I'm making. Uh, and so then I thought, well, how do I do this? You know, do I argue? Um, do I tell them that they're wrong? And then, you know, and then I'm thinking about the person that's not engaged in that public conversation between this person that calls me a heretic and this person and, and me, and they're going to look at it. And what are they going to come away with? Oh, look, two jerks arguing you know, and the other person, they can think they're a jerk all day long, but if they think I'm not, I'm a jerk, they're never going to touch my book. And then maybe the, the help and the hope that my book offers won't get delivered because mm -hmm. I didn't show up in a way that was inviting. So what did I do? I called Mike because <laughs> <laughs> I needed to be kind and, and kindness isn't my, isn't the top of my, my strength list, but kindness is at the top of Mike's strength list. He has a, he has a PhD in it. So, uh, uh, so I, I, I have a P I have an, uh, a master's degree in arguing to get my way, uh, <laughs> Christian apologetics, you know, arguing that I'm right. Um, so I called Mike and I said, how, you know, you're getting a lot of flack. How, how are you responding? And he shared a few things with me and we just talked for about an hour and uh, most of it was just about other things. And I had filled up my kindness tank and I was able to go to work. And so I start every response with thanking the person for responding and taking the time. Um, and then at the end, I also thank them again. And then if their, if their response was at all gentle or at all gracious or at all not hateful, then I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that, hey, look, you know, we disagree, um, but I really appreciate the fact that you you did it in a way that was loving and kind. Hmm. Um, and then and and then what I always try to do is I I acknowledge that the the view that they're espousing is what many Christians believe and that many Christians would teach. And then what I try to do is try to draw some compassion for the people I'm trying to reach. The people I'm trying to reach have tried that. The people I'm trying to reach have beaten their heads against the walls. They're, they're earnest. They, they're faithful. They, they love, they really do love Jesus. And the message of just don't be gay hasn't worked for them. Um, you know, and, and so now what, and that's who I'm really, so, and then I'll acknowledge, Hey, this book probably isn't for you. 
It's probably not for a lot of people, but for the people it is for, I hope it offers them some hope. Mm. And so, so depending on what they're talking about, you know, I, I just, I really try not to go toe to toe with anybody. I try, try to acknowledge them and their position and then come across with, uh, with something that will talk about who I really am trying to reach and why. Well, good for you. Good for you. Well, you, you've got more ability to do that than I do. That's for sure. <laughs> it's hard. I, I will tell you that I have to turn off Facebook notifications. I have so that I don't get distracted by them during the day. I have to set aside a period of time to do it and I have to be in the right mind. And if I'm not in the right mindset, I, I put it off because um, it does drag me down. It, it, it grates on me. It, it gets old. It, uh, especially when it's the, you know, some of these things have 50, 60, 70, 80 comments. Wow. And, and half of them are the same comment using a little bit different words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's just over and over and over. And I can't, respond like I'm responding to the same person the 70th time. I have to respond each time like it's the first time. And it's, it's not easy to do. Um, so I just have to be easy on myself. Yeah, really, really totally can see that. Goodness sakes. So where do you see taking your effort from here? I know you're still in the early stages of just having launched a book. Um, are you going to do more books? Are you going to do other kinds of projects or initiatives in this area? Or what, what are you, what are your thoughts? I, I would like to do another book. Um, I'm thinking about, um, you know, some feedback I got from a parent of an LGBTQ teenager was he liked what I had to say about dating and sex and relationships. Um, and he wished I had, I had provided more on that. Hmm. And so I thought I want to write another book. I enjoyed the process of writing. I enjoyed thinking and praying about the people who I was trying to reach with a message of love and hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to keep doing that. So I think that might be my next book is, is, um, uh, and I don't know whether it will just be relationships in general, or if I'm going to just say, you know, get how to gay it up with the Bible. I don't know, <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> but a, but a biblical look at, at, um, at relationships that aren't necessarily, um, lauded today, uh, would be a fun, uh, would be a fun project. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, good for you. Well, congratulations on all the work that you're doing. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, you're on a mission from God, you know what I mean? And, and you're, <laughs> and you're like really um, so altruistic about it. You know, it's just your interest is clearly just trying to help people that are struggling with, you know, what you had to struggle with or other people had to struggle with. And so, you know, good for you for, you know, doing nothing other than trying to help. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, I think it's it's keeping keeping my eye on the ball um, is is the is really the key right now. And so I'm reaching out to people to try to get speaking engagements and and you know any kind of book signings. Zoom is, has been a great resource. I'm doing webinars on uh, uh, the last. I did my first webinar the other day on answering anti LGBT argument or claims from the Bible. And it was very well received. So I'm going to keep Excellent. doing that one. I'm going to develop another one on the, my next uh, webinar is going to be on choosing a church as an LGBT person um, and what to look for and, and what it means and why even go to church. Why is that even important for a Christian? Um, and then, you know, just keep going through and, and finding ways to get, make connections with people 
and make relationships with people and get, you know, keep going uh, in that direction. And, you know, the book will sell itself, but the, if I keep, if I keep making the meaningful connections and meaningful relationships, I think, uh, um, I think everything will work out the way that it's supposed to. So. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think you're really wise in that you're realizing the book is not the only avenue of communication to help people, right. You know, you're doing the podcast, you're doing the webinars, you're doing, you know, several different, avenues of communication, you know, all of which are, you know, effective to different people, different ways. So, you know, why just limit it to one, right? I mean, it's really wise to uh, branch out like that. So I'm glad to hear that. It's interesting. A lot of people will say something and I'll, and I'll resist the urge to say, just read my book. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I hear some people say that too, you know, it's like, uh, (laughs) but anyway, so what's the website address for people to go to? It's tried to be straight.com. Okay, great. Yeah. That's straightforward enough. <laughs> good, yeah, good. Right. Well, um, and you can get everything off of there. It's also available. The book's available on Amazon, on, on Kindle, and, uh, and in paperback at this point. I'm going to come out with an audio book uh, probably in a month or, or two, as soon as I can get to reading it. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that'll take some time, but you've got a very good voice for it. So I think. Thanks. That- you know, that'll be well-received too. Well, Andy, thanks again for joining us. Uh, Congratulations on your book and all your fine work. And please, you know, keep us posted on things. Thanks, Brian.